This morning we look at the Word of God from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and then we'll look at it in chapter 4 as well. It says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us to rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. We pick up the same theme in chapter 4 and verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. All right, as we take a look at 2 Corinthians uh, this morning, um, how's your week been? Been all right? Has anyone else asked you this morning how your week has been? I feel it's the unofficial greeting of church. How's your week been? Uh, I think it's just the way in which we know how to be friendly. I think it's because uh, we mostly see each other one time a week. We often ask each other, how's your week been? People ask me that all the time. How's your week been? I'm like, well, I'm about to find out as I get up to preach this morning. Uh, But how's your week been? How, How do you reply to that? I think most of us would like to be positive and encouraging people. We, 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 we don't want to be whiners. We don't want to be complainers. And so we say, it's been a great week. And then we kind of roll our mind. Is that really true? And like maybe the next time someone asks us, well, it's been an okay week. It's been a, a good week. But we don't really want to be a whiner or a complainer and just kind of unload on somebody all the difficulties. But I think for most of us, I think for most people, It is really hard to go seven days without dealing with something tough. It's it's really hard to kind of reflect the last seven days where you didn't have at least one moment where there was a relationship tension, where there wasn't a financial tension, there wasn't a health tension, there wasn't a concern, there, there wasn't some kind of conflict that arose, some difficulty, some worry that you saw uh, you know, on the news or something like that, that, that really kind of caught you and that at least for 15 minutes in that week, it, it really kind of got you. And so it's really hard to go a whole week without dealing with something difficult or hard or challenging in our lives, which obviously brings us to jars of clay. Obviously. The Apostle Paul writes here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he talks about the fact that we have our treasure in jars of clay. Now, it's a familiar phrase, and, and we kind of know that phrase, treasure in jars of clay. But I, as I was reading it, I'm like, well, what option 
was there? How else was Paul going to store his treasure today? You can walk down the aisle at Home Depot or at Walmart, and particularly in this time of year where they're trying to get you to store your Christmas things or unstore your Christmas things, there are totes and there are boxes. There are all kinds of devices that you can store things. Paul didn't have those benefits. He, he didn't have a high-quality Yeti cooler that he could store uh, the, the stuff that really mattered to him. Basically, it was jars of clay. Now, it's interesting. Archaeologists, they love jars of clay. Uh, in fact, their, their, their whole world is built around jars of clay because jars of clay are great for holding things until they're not. Most of the time, someone would have something, they would put it in their jar that was made out of clay, and before too long, that clay would break, that jar would break, and what's left behind are these pottery shards, and that's what the archaeologists spend all of their time doing, is finding this little piece of a pottery shard, and they try to determine what was the building material that it came from, what age was this, what museum can they sell this broken piece of pottery uh, to, and they, they love the, the value of these broken pottery pieces because they were everywhere. The Apostle Paul, he loves jars of clays, not for the archaeological value, but for their theological value. You see, the Apostle Paul in the book of 2 Corinthians and basically all of his other writings, he, he has been talking about two main themes so far. The, the first main theme is the awesomeness of God displayed through Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. And he wants you to know how fantastic, how life-changing, how powerful, how profound it is to know God through Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. And he wants you to hear that and that's messy number one. But at the same time, woven throughout his writing and woven throughout this letter, he also says, man, life is hard. He says, our experience has been tough. Our experience has been difficult. In fact, our experience has been so difficult, we thought we were going to die. Not just, you know, boy, that was really hard. No, really, we despaired even unto death. We did not necessarily know that we had the strength to survive all of these experiences. Which leads us to this paradox and to this question. If our faith is so great, why is life so hard sometimes? Our experience with God is so wonderful as revealed through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. It is great. It'll change your life. And then Paul says, I'm not sure that we were even going to make it. How do those two things connect? How is it that we have this treasure of profound power and the presence of God in our life? And then he says, we were afflicted, we were persecuted, we were exhausted, we were struck down, all of these things. How do these things fit together? And the answer is that we have this incredible treasure, but they're stored in jars of clay. It'll hold it. But boy, it's fragile. 
And the reality is that as great as the treasure is, they are contained, it is contained inside a very fragile experience. And as you and I walk through life, we never have been promised that we will be insulated from the hard and the challenging things that we face in life. Because we have this treasure, but it is in these fragile containers. And so we will walk through life with incredible faith, incredible power, incredible relationship with God, and yet we will still face difficulty and hardship. But I've got good news for you. The good news for you this morning that is even in the places that seem that we need the most help, those are the places where God most wants to be at work in my life. Even in the place where it seems like I need the most help, the places where I'm most fragile, the places where I feel the challenges of life and the difficulties of life and the hardships of life, and even in places where it may feel like I may despair of life itself, those are the places where God shows up and works inside of our life. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we do want to hear from you. But more than that, we need to hear from you. And so, Lord, as people in this room hold on to their faith and sometimes wonder why life is so hard, Lord, I pray that you would speak to them this morning. Not my voice, but your voice. I pray this in your name. Amen. Here's the amazing thing, is that it turns out, not only are the challenging times part of life, but the challenging parts can be and often are the places that God is at work. God wants to use those challenging places in our lives. So let's look and see how that happens. Uh, the first thing that I want you to hear, the first thing that I want you to know is that challenging times should change the source of my strength. Challenging times should change my source of strength. If we take a look back here at the passage of Scripture, this is the reason why I tied these two passages together. But take a look at chapter 1 and verse 9. It says, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Paul says, We were going to die. We, we felt it was undeniable. We were about to die. But he says this, But... That was to make us not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. As we move over to chapter 4 and verse 7, he says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay, so that the surpassing power, so that it, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We discover in these challenging times that the challenges are not all brokenness. It is part of training. It is part of God teaching us and revealing things to us. And if you all remember the old Karate Kid movies, 
Remember the Karate Kid movies? It was Daniel, and he wanted to be the, the karate champion, and he comes across this coach, this mentor uh, for his life, Mr. Miyagi, that's right. Uh, Mr. Miyagi and Mr. Miyagi, instead of training him how to do karate, he, he taught him how to wash his car. And it was wax on, wax off. And he taught him how to do all of these things. And what Daniel did not recognize, did not understand, is that it was in these day-to-day -day routine difficult things that he was being taught to do that he was learning how to be the champion that he was supposed to be. Now listen, if you remember the movies, Mr. Miyagi was old. But I will tell you that God has been doing this same thing much longer than Mr. Miyagi has. He, he, he has been taking some of the routine and some of the difficult and some of the hard places and says, listen, I want you to look past how hard this is because what I want you to do is I want you to learn something in this process. And so the Apostle Paul a godly, godly man is walking through some really hard, difficult things. This is the Apostle Paul who, who writes half of the New Testament. This is the Apostle Paul who hears from God so clearly. He goes through these hard and difficult things to the point that he is not sure he's even going to live. And then he can stand back and he can reflect afterwards and says, do you, do you know why? I went through those things because I needed to learn that I can't rely on myself and instead I have to rely on God. Is it possible that you may be going through something that's difficult, that's hard, that's challenging, that's unwanted in your life today? But could it be that God is using that moment, that experience to teach and to train you, to remind you, to give you a refresher course on the reality and the fact that we do not live in our own strength, that the person who, who is the most confident is actually the person who needs to hear from God? See, that's an important lesson for us because we were trained inside of our minds from the time that we were the littlest where we can say, I can do it myself. You remember saying that to your parents? You remember your kids? I can do it when you really couldn't. But we need to be reminded that our source of strength is not ourselves, but it is God. Listen, when we talk about the fact that I'm not supposed to rely on myself, I'm supposed to rely on God, it says in chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, because of the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Did you notice back in verse 1 or in chapter 1 a little picture of what that surpassing power looks like? He says in verse 9, he says, that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God. And do you see the next phrase? Who raises the dead. Who raises the dead. That's who you're relying on. Now, I want you to see this. I want you to see this because when Paul says that we rely not on ourselves but on God who raises the dead, he certainly has in his mind the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For sure, Jesus is alive today, for real. But if that was the limit to what he was saying, he would have said, we rely not on ourselves but on God who raised the dead. 
understand that the resurrection power of Jesus continues in this hour. Jesus is not the only place that he has brought life into a place that was dead. And in fact, you may need to be reminded that we do not rely on your power or my power, but on the power of God. What kind of power is the kind of power that surpasses all things? It's the kind of power that raises the dead, not once, but continues to raise the dead time and time again. And it may be that one of the challenging things that you are facing right now is to remind you it's not on you. It is on God who provides that power. Another thing is that the challenging times that we face, the challenging things that we face right now, will reveal, will reveal God's provision in my life. Challenging times will reveal God's provision in my life. Now, I love what it says here, uh, again, in chapter 1, in verse 10. He says, he delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Now, we've looked at this passage before. We've looked at these verses before uh, briefly. And, and there's just part of me that, that wants to say, listen, this is what Paul says. He says, God has delivered us. God is delivering us. God will deliver us. That makes sense. That's good grammar as far as I understand good grammar. But that's not what it says. What it says is he has delivered us. And he will deliver us. And he says, and you know what? When I really think about it, I know that he's going to deliver us again. Now what I want to say there is that there's one past time. He, he has delivered us. And he doubles up on the future tense. He's delivered us in the past. He will deliver us. And because life keeps coming at us, he will deliver us again. In fact, every time that life will come at us, he will deliver us again. So it's not just past, present, and future. It is past, future, and future, and future, and future, and future. Challenging times will continue to reveal God's provision in your life. Such a beautiful description of God's provision in our life comes from Psalm 23. It tells us that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want in other words, he'll provide everything for me. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 is a picture of all the different parts of life, past, present, and future, of how God will provide for us. But back here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we have an intensification of that provision. Hear what he says here in verse 8. As he comes back and he begins to tell you of some of the difficulties that he faced. He says, we are afflicted in every way. He says, man, we, we, we can't turn in any direction 
without chase, facing challenges, difficulties, hardships. There is no escape. We are surrounded. The hard times just keep coming at us. Anybody relate to that? He says we are afflicted in every way. But because of the provision of God, we are not crushed. He said we are perplexed. Uh, I don't know if I can say I like that, but boy, I think that's telling. I think Paul's saying, listen, God, we're trying to do everything that we're supposed to do, (laughs) and it just seems like life gets worse and worse the more right we try to do. God, I'm a little confused by that. I am, shall we say, perplexed. He says, but I'm not driven to despair because of the provision of God. He says, we are persecuted, but we're not forsaken because of the provision of God. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed because of the provision of God. I want you to know that some of the challenging times that you have faced, some of the challenging times that you are facing, some of the challenging faces, the challenges that you will face, will be the canvas that God reveals his presence in your life. Those will be some of the stories that you tell for years to come. I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I walked through the valley of the shadow of depression. I walked through the valley of the shadow of not knowing where the mortgage payment was going to come from. I've walked through the valley of the shadow of feeling as though my friends let me down. But I will fear no evil because he was with me. That's the canvas that is going to display the provision of God inside of your life. And I will tell you that if you lived, if you and I lived hermetically sealed inside of a lead box, inside of a Yeti cooler, surrounded by a Rubbermaid container, we would never feel some of the bumps and the bruises of life. And we would not be able to see the provision of God in my life. But because we live in jars of clay, we feel those things. And we see the presence of God and the provision of God inside of our lives. But I'll also tell you that challenging challenging times can rearrange my priorities. Challenging times can rearrange my priorities. Priorities. This is kind of the headspace section of the passage today. This is the part where we really talk about how does this rearrange how I think. You see, difficulty gives us the opportunity to embrace new priorities and a new purpose inside of our lives, to test how much have I truly been transformed by my faith. Because what I want you to do is I want to take just a moment and look back at this passage, and I want to look back at what I call the so that's, uh, the so that sections of this passage. In fact, if you take a look at the page, and I've highlighted them uh, on the screen here, that the so that sections of the passage, Paul talks about the difficulty. And then he says, so that. I experienced this hardship. I experienced this difficulty. So that. 
We see it in chapter 1 and verse 9. We've already mentioned this. I felt the sentence of death, but that was to, so that I would rely not on ourselves, but on the God who raises the dead. He says in verse 11, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. He says the reason why we suffer and the reason why we go through difficulty is so that many people will be able to give thanks with us of how God provided, rescued, and saved my life. I go through difficulty so that others can give thanks and praise to God. How amazing is that? Here we also see the so that in chapter 4 and verse 7. It says, so that the surpassing power that belongs to God will be revealed. He says here in chapter 4 and verse 11, he says, for we, live, we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Paul says, man, my whole life just feels like I'm walking a tightrope as to whether I'm going to die or not. My life is about to be handed over. My, my life seems to always be at risk. But he says, so that the life of Christ may be manifested in our mortal flesh. The word mortal there refers to the limits of our life. I'm not eternal, I'm not special, I'm not anything. But he says, listen, walking this tightrope through hard times and challenging times makes my life the canvas where the life of Christ is revealed. That's a different way of thinking. It's a different set of priorities. Instead of saying, I've got to get out from this challenging moment, this challenging experience, this difficult time, the new priority is, I want to make sure that as I walk through this challenging time, this challenging experience, that people can see Jesus in my life. He says in verse 15, he says, For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Time and time again, he says, I'm experiencing hardship, but there is a greater purpose and a greater priority in that place. Listen, you and I are going to walk through some hard things, probably in the next seven days. Our natural reaction is, how fast can I get out of the hard thing? But a transformed, Spirit in Christ says, how can I see Christ in this hardship? And then how can other people see Christ in the hardship that I'm walking through? Now that's a different way of walking in life. That, that, that's not the way that we're used to. That's not the way that we're trying. We, we, we try to avoid pain. We try to avoid difficulty. But Paul says, I have a greater priority so that Christ may be revealed in my life. I wonder what difficulty or hardship that you're dealing with this week, this year, this season needs to be handed over to Christ. What thing that you're dealing with that you need to hand over to him now, some of that we, we don't 
we don't like doing because we, we would rather control the heartache, the pain. We would rather control our responses. We'd rather maintain ourselves as the source of strength. I can do this. And sometimes we struggle with the idea of handing a part of our life over to God. But as you look at your 2021 story, is there a hurt, a difficulty, a challenge, a hardship that needs to be handed over? There's a story of Christianity in its earliest days expanding into new territories and expanding toward the Germanic tribes of the north and they were beginning to be baptized. And the, and the soldiers were some of the first ones to be baptized. And they would begin to be baptized. But there was a process that they had where they wanted to hold their arm up out of the water and their sword up out of the water. Because they didn't want to give up control of that part of their life. Baptize all of me. But, but, but I'm going to reserve this one part of my life that I don't want to be baptized. It, it doesn't work that way. All of our life has to be baptized. And I would just say to you this morning, don't let the challenging part of your life be the part that you're holding out and say, I don't want that part baptized by the presence and the movement and the power and the authority of God. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to just challenge you to just have a prayerful moment and maybe identify that part of life, that challenge that you've been trying to handle on your own, that you've been trying to get out of as fast as possible, when maybe that's a place where you just need to see what God is doing and for other people to see what God is doing inside of your life and identify that. So let's just have a moment of prayer there.